Greetings, and welcome to Absalom, the art of astrology and demon slaying. My name is Oak, your joyful host. I'm an astrology teacher, holistic chef, ritualist, and also a matchmaker. Join me as we enter the furnace upon which we exchange our filth for the gems of wisdom and irrevocable love. Some call it stepping outside of fragmentation, while others call it shadow work. I do call this demon slaying. And in this process, we gain deeper intimacy with ourselves and with our lives. Episode 2 of Absalom The reason why we're here. This is a very good question. Post-2020, I feel as though, as we have witnessed, the hysteria that a pandemic can create. And furthermore, post-2023, as we are also witnessing the chaos and the existential dread of knowing that there is many forms of genocide happening, particularly highly televised in the Gaza Strip, as well as Congo and Sudan. This definitely makes us question, <laughs> why, why are we here? What is life? Can this all make sense? While I'm not here to debate your spiritual or religious viewpoints, or go over every single religious tradition's viewpoint on what is life, I did want to share some practical ways of thinking about life that I've gleaned through studying various religious traditions, but also in my understanding of how astrology works, which in my interpretation can have a really clear way of articulating life, and especially for an individual and their, their framework for how they view life, those things are there. But I, I think also just as someone that's given counsel to people for eight plus years professionally, I have to have a very strong understanding of what I believe life to be. And so I wanted to share this with you all today because I think that it's very helpful for us to ground in purpose and the meaning of life. Because when there is chaos and when there are senseless things that happen, it it's always good to come back to our center. It's always good to come back to a foundational quality that can help us to continue with our processes of supporting life, of being present for life, of being, of being a protector of life. How can we honor life if we don't feel a fundamental connection to what life is? I hope you enjoy this as I explore what is life through a very practical lens. According to Christianity, there is this God that you bow to that has given you life and that can punish you as well. Maybe at this point in time, people don't really believe that fully, but there is a concept that God is, is something to submit to in order to make sure that you are right with life, that you will have the things that you need, that you'll be provided for. And so this has not really sat well with me being a queer person. So me being condemned based on my sexuality and and the ways in which I choose to love, it never really sat well with me, which actually is the 
impetus for me to to do all of my spiritual study from from my teenage years onward. And according to Buddhism or even Hinduism, you know, life is essentially suffering. That we are in this cycle, this endless cycle of of death and rebirth, and that within that, that the nature of attachment can be a cause of deep suffering, which just for transparency's sake, I deeply identify with. And I think that, you know, as we're kind of stepping into this era where there is mass natural disaster, as well as just like the the height of colonialism showing itself in these ways that are unavoidable to recognize, we are literally looking at suffering. You know, it's it's like random suffering. It's, it's just, it, we're playing roulette with this idea of what is going to happen next to who. And we are, you know, human greed is kind of at the center of all these things, which still is an aspect of our own personal suffering. And I think we can circulate about this for a long time, but this is not a, you know, introduction lecture to Buddhism. <laughs> at all. Um, so, what I really wanted to offer is this idea that life, according to, like, if we're just going to draw a comparison between Christianity, Hinduism, and Buddhism, there's something about life that can be difficult. So, whether you're praying for redemption or you are, you know, doing a lot of good action to harmonize out of bad karmas, you know, it's this way of thinking of like, wow, there's, there's like, there's work to do here on this earth. And when we bring in this idea of being here in these bodies on this earth, automatically it brings me to the concept of the earth element in astrology. The earth element being the utmost expression of the material says so much already. Because it is in the material that the astral is manifest. It is in the material that it is the, the moment of physical expression of all of your history. And so, if you're going to think about this from a karmic lens, your body, the most material expression of you, is a reflection of everything that has come before you your parents, your grandparents, their parents, their grandparents, this long, rich history of lineage and time and space creating this very moment that you are at right now. And while the material, you as the material, is quite mundane, we can think of our material reality as quite mundane, it is a collection of many, many histories interwoven to create this very moment, this, this moment to be present for. And to me, that does sound like a cycle of death and rebirth, continual cycle of death and rebirth. And so I am bringing this, con this Buddhist concept of karma into the ways that we think about our body. Our body is the utmost expression of our history. And so our genetics, our physicality, our emotional nature, our relationship with our family, those are all different forms of karma based upon layered histories that are interwoven. And the reason why I believe that karma is such an important concept to apply when we're thinking about our lives, especially, you know, as 
giving astrological counsel for these past eight years, you know, there are certain things about people's lives that really suck. <laughs> you know, no one deserves rightfully to be sexually abused. And it happens to so many people. No one rightfully deserves to have their life cut off short. You know, no one deserves to experience violence and oppression. And yet it's a part of life. It's a part of things that happen. And what makes it so that one person has horrible luck with relationships and another person is in a wealth of relationships. And these are expressions of karma. And the reason why the, the concept of reincarnation can really support when we're feeling existential dread, when we're feeling what the fuck is the purpose of life? Like I, there's so many things that you might even feel that you don't deserve. <laughs> and while you are a good person and while you, you know, try to, you know, cultivate a good life for yourself, like why such bad luck, right? Like these are genuine questions that people have. It's really just a matter of, you know, histories being laid upon each other. And in that way, I think that just from a, from, as giving my perspective, I think this really helps with just giving you an idea of where I'm coming from. But regardless of if you agree with this or not, you know, we are in these material bodies, right? Like it is, it is a fact that we're here and that we feel we have sensation. We are also in our bodies, like they, they have needs, like they need to survive. And so we have to also think about what does it mean for us to materially exist and materially survive in this realm of earth. And that, my friends, is the paradigm of money. And it's so sad that, you know, money is the ticket. It is the gateway for us to have the, the necessities, the, the food and the shelter that are also just so intrinsically connected to the earth element. And so that means that if we are here in these bodies, we're in this earth realm, we're made of earth, we're in this material realm, that means that we also have to play by the rules of the material realm, which is the navigation of money, the systems of money, also the, the organizing systems that the money is housed. So within our social, communal, and, and government systems, like these are all things that are just really a part of the structured material reality that we exist in. We have our Apple Pay, we got our PayPal, <laughs> We barely use cash. And I think it's a nice comparison to just draw that in previous times in history, you know, we had literal exchange of goods, materials from the earth that will, you know, describe the value upon which we're exchanging service. And while it's the same, you know, we just have different forms of monetary exchange with the dollar. It's just fascinating to me how the earth element encompasses the body and money as well. And that will always be something that I sit with. The fact that our bodies and money can equate to something quite similar, which we can look at as somewhat sad when we think about the way that we are exploited through these corporate systems. And that is a way that we are exchanging ourselves for goods at this time, for survival at this time. And, but it also speaks to how the earth itself, if we are simply a fractal of the earth and we're an expression of the earth, that we are also creative beings, that in the way that the earth is in a state of constant creation, 
right? That we are also in a state of constant creation as well, which is why we want to find a relationship with money that the way that we make money, the way that we create actually is something that generates abundance for us. And that's really beautiful. But, but now we live in a paradigm that has been developed in the past 300 years, really thanks to British colonialism, right? And I'm just going to sh- hit you all with a, a few of these details that I grabbed from the good old wiki. <laughs> Uh, Europeans colonized the Americas and killed more than 50 million Native Americans within 100 years. British colonial policies killed 100 million Indians in 40 years. Over 5 million Algerians were killed under French colonial occupation that lasted 132 years. Um, From 1885 to 1908, King Leopold II ruled over Congo and 15 million were killed under his rulership. In 2003, the U.S. invaded Iraq and killed 1 million Iraqis. This year, in 2023, 1.7 million Gazans have been displaced. These are all expressions of colonialism, and this is the thing that really spawned this conversation that we're having today. Make this make sense. Millions of people being displaced and killed And when we trace this all back to colonialism, we know that this is about resources. This is about the occupation of land, the, the, the the righteousness of believing that you can have while others cannot have, or that your needs, your life, your consumption of the material is more important than the consumption of the material for others. This is material beings having material needs, and we're here in this material realm navigating our relationship to the material. (laughs) When we contrast the individual experience of our own lives and why we do the things that we do and all of the necessary ways that we survive, overlay it and contrast it with this paradigm, the earthen paradigm that we're in, which is capitalism, colonialism, it brings us to this idea that, wow, we're in a system, right? The the system of money and how money flows is a system. And how does that contrast with the earth as a holistic system? The mechanisms of the earth and the environments and the seasons, how it relates to time and space, like these are holistic systems. But within capitalism, because it is about now, It is about, I want to purchase this now. I want to have all of the access now. I want watermelons in the height of the winter in California. We have created lives centered around technology and capitalism. And so what happens is that we are operating in a way that is not in flow with the earth. And so as earthen beings, not in alignment with the ways of the earth, not in alignment with how the earth actually operates to be in a constant state of creation, which is regeneration, replenishment. This is the inherent conundrum of what colonial capitalism is. And so this is a very simple way of saying the things that we're relating to with climate change and the the, the televised experience of witnessing this, uh, this genocide happening at the very least in the Gaza Strip, 
we are finally at this point within our collective awareness that we're able to see these things without uh, without a veil. And it's interesting, like why why would we why would we subject ourselves to life? If we had a choice, you know, I I actually have asked this question to some friends. I'm like, well, if you were gonna come back to Earth, let's just say hypothetically, you were gonna come back to Earth, what would be the main reason why you'd want to materialize into a body, even if you knew that it was gonna be a fucking shit show? And a lot of it is really based on like what I've heard from friends is like food. <laughs> Give me those chili cheese fries. Give me the fucking burritos. And I might say similar. You know, I'm thinking about sex. I'm thinking about food and experience, right? Experience is the thing that separates us from being in the other realm, being in the formless, being in the form of spirit disembodied, non-bodied, having sensation, embodiment is the reason why we're here. And embodiment is such a similar word to the earth element. And so the earth, and I mean, this is all conceptual, right? But wow, if earth is the only place to materialize, if it is the only place to experience embodiment, if it's the only place to experience a, a sense of individual experience versus being in the whole, the, the, the W-H-O-L-E, in the wholeness of the divine, in the wholeness of spirit, then, hi, <laughs> we must be here to be present, present for our sensations, present for the experience of what it means to be embodied. Which brings me to another point. In that, you know, one of the primary symbols of life from the astrological system is the symbol of the sun, right? It represents the vital force, the, the center point of ourselves, the center point of our lives. And the symbol is a circle with a dot in the middle. And the circle will be, we can think of that as wholeness, right? The circle of spirit, wholeness. And then the dot represents the individual self. And this in itself is the difficulty of our embodiment. It's difficult to be embodied on this earthly realm separate from the union of the divine because we have these individual souls that are locked into this body, this earthen body. And so we have this intrinsic connection knowing that we are individual beings, but also we are much more than that. We're also deeply interwoven with our wholeness. And so there's also this other metaphor, this other dynamic where, you know, you can say the most basic thing, we are spiritual beings having a human experience or, you know, vice versa. <laughs> but that's what the symbol of the sun is. It is not only a symbol of our individual life, but it is a symbol of this divine contradiction of being a single person, a single self, but also knowing that you're so much more than that. And then when you overlay that upon just like all of the other souls, like the entire world, the, the fabric of society and, and all the different layers of the earth and all of the, the different layers of experience, we are coming into this idea of wholeness. And the saddest thing 
is that if that is what life is about, is to be in a state of intrinsic connection while being embodied in, in the pleasures of what it means to be embodied. And what it means to be embodied is right, the, the safety of your body, the ability to survive so that your experience of your life on earth is not constantly being in a state of fear and harm or, or the, the anticipation of harm itself. But the thing about colonialism is that it is the, the easiest pathway for you to get be fucked up ancestrally, to get fucked up for your entire life and, and maybe even for several generations or even being the descendant of people that have been displaced or killed for the land that they come from, is that is the automatic way to experience disembodiment. You can even be, you know, when we have trauma, we can be in a safe environment, but because of those really harsh impacts to our to to the inherent feeling of safety within ourselves to to our soul actually you know it's like colonialism creates the fragmentation of the soul i'm going to say that again just so you can process this if it's not something in your awareness colonialism creates the fragmentation of the soul the way that it is so extremely disruptive to someone's entire being the way that this impacts someone's not only their life but it, it, it impacts generations after and i'm not exaggerating and this is not conceptual this is not conceptual at least for me because i've i've worked with people and i see their charts and you can see histories of deep levels of pain and displacement and even if someone doesn't have that awareness of you know their mother father you know, surprisingly, if they go several generations back, there's like a history of some type of displacement or some type of, you know, disaster to the land upon which um, those people were from. So it's those statistics that I shared earlier about all of the lives that were killed at the hands of European colonialism. Colonialism is not just European colonialism, but we, we talk about it because this is literally the the iteration of how we're relating to the earth in the past 300 years. And those stats are just so sad. It's hard to not feel upset when you read statistics like that. And we're also witnessing it live at this time at the tail end of 2023. So what this makes me think of is just that question. It's like, why are we here? Why are we embodied? Why do we choose this life? Is life that beautiful? that we would willingly subject ourselves to being embodied into systems of oppression in the ways that this world is set up right now. And there's so many of us that I've heard from that are just like, I'm not fucking coming back here. <laughs> like, I'm not signing up for this ever again. Or, you know, like, this is just, this is not it, right? Earth is ghetto. And <laughs> this is a genuine question, right? But I think it's important to recognize that, wow, one of the fundamental rules of natural law and I guess of this universe is polarity, that we were always going to have equal and opposite forces working at all times, day, night, as above, so below. And this is important because, yes, a lot of what we've talked about in this little blurb has been around suffering and the difficulty of what it is to be embodied. And also, you know, the 
the, the, the containment of the material, it asks also to be free, right? If material is the most dense, the most crystallized, and the most limiting in some ways, because it's so physical, then there's, there's also the urgency of being liberated, of being free, which reminds me of when we do a big cleanse and we are ridding ourselves of old matter and, and becoming less attached to food and, and changing habits in that process of cleansing. It does something where we feel liberated, we feel freed because we're mastering the body, which is a whole other way of also like approaching the mastery of the earth element, right? It's like mastery of the body. But that's a whole other tangent we can go on <laughs> at another time. But going back to this concept of polarity and how it relates to, you know, would you come back and is it worth it <laughs> to come back to earth? Um, you know, we, we've talked about this idea of suffering and it's like, what's the opposite of that? You know, it's, it's the liberation and it's also love. It's also love. Like there's something that is so not only liberating about love, but there's something about being here to experience love because I think the earth element actually is the ability to experience love, right? Because when we have our needs met, when we have the food, when we have the shelter, essentially that is a type of comfort. And when we're in a state of comfort and safety, we are able to experience one of the most profound feelings in the universe, which is the divine experiencing itself. It is the experience of union which is love. We have so many things in the media that are a, uh, that are an anthem to love, that, that are the, the expression of love, that, that are, you know, the, the, the sale of love, that you can have this purse and you're going to feel love. You can listen to this Beyonce song and you're going to feel hot and you're going to feel loved. You can get a Brazilian butt lift and you're going to experience love, right? And these are all of these, capitalist ways that we are taught that the material can provide us a type of experience, a type of comfort, a type of satisfaction that is love. And we just have it distorted in a way. And and really, we're here to experience true love. And in an earthly realm where we are finite, and we're wanting to have this sacred experience of the infinite, I really believe that's what love is. It gets complicated. And once again, you know, the, the idea that even to love is suffering because it involves a form of attachment. Even to, to love deeply with your whole heart, a, another finite being that could possibly pass away or fall out of love with you, that is so painful. And yet we still continue to look for love. And I really believe that this is like a big function of what is the pulse of our world is that there's something that, 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 that challenges us to continually love even in these oppressive systems. And I'll also clarify that love is a pretty complex or it's a big umbrella topic. And I think that based on someone's birth chart, you can see the ways in which love will manifest for this person or what will feel most like love. And I think that getting to the core of what love actually is you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with another person, really. It's, it's something that, that resonates deeply from within. And so that union, the union that love represents is the harmonizing of 
the earth and the heavens. It is the harmonizing of night and day. It is the harmonizing of all the disparate parts of self and coming back home to oneself. It is that union that is the harmonizing factor to that, that inherent conundrum, the symbol of the sun, the circle of spirit with that single dot of the individual self. And here we have an image of the soul, right? Or the human soul. And love is the unifying factor. And romantic love is, is a vision upon which we can, for a moment, experiencing the union, like where, where we ourselves become the divine through this connection of having hot sex with someone, <laughs> right? But it's really just, it's, it's a, it's a divine metaphor for the union of the self that we're supposed to be coming into, which is one of the most liberating feelings of all time. And so even if we live in these oppressive systems that teach us that we are unlovable, the more that we cultivate a profound relationship to love and a profound relationship to loving ourselves, it is, it is a way that usurps colonialism and capitalism at its core. And when that love for self becomes so well-rounded and so whole, it is, it is inherent that you are going to be able to support your communities in the same way that you love and support yourself. And, you know, it's like that, that breaking out of individualism is through actually deepening in the practice of love, which is why the issue of romantic love is really just a teaching tool for us to actually deepen in the ways in which we are able to cultivate true love within ourselves. So we're here in our earthen bodies, navigating the material, material issues, material needs, material bodies. And this is a great reminder that if true love is the center point upon which we materialize for, then all of our workings, all of the ways that we consume and produce and cultivate then everything is then in service to love. And I, it just reminds me of the word respect. You know, I think that when we really love something, we have deep reverence and respect for that thing. And that means we're in deep reverence and respect for the earth. It's really as simple as that. I hope that these words are helpful. I hope these words are inspiring. Or if, it, if they're not, you know, these weren't like the most profound thoughts, I don't think, but I, I do find them to just be simple truths. And I think that truths are oftentimes very, very simple. And yeah, but I do hope that you enjoyed these ideas that I had about life. Uh, my name is Oak once again. I run Oak Astrology School. I'm also a holistic chef and other things. Uh, these are the ways that I show love, truly. <laughs> If you're interested in learning astrology, I have a lot of different classes on my website, oakastrologyschool.com. I have very intimate mentorship programs that happen throughout the year. Um, I really do teach astrology from this place, this place where I'm like very intentional about making astrology a practice that is deeply spiritual, deeply practical. And also something that is a tool that helps us to be in a deeper state of activism. 
um, a deeper state of our own individual healing, but that it, that is not, it doesn't just stop there. It actually makes it so that we have like this very full circle experience of ourselves, you know, the, 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 the dynamicness of what it means to be alive. And so I thank you once again for entertaining me um, and, and just taking the time to, to listen to these words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And bless.